The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. Lord have mercy, Wardell Stephen Curry. If you haven't seen Steph's performance in Game 7 against the Kings um, and you haven't seen the highlights, you should probably just stop this podcast right now and go watch it. Um, what we saw, what we witnessed, was the elevation from legend to God, to Godhood, or maybe possibly goathood, as we will get to as well. Steph Curry did things that we've only seen in NBA Jam. And we are going to be talking about this performance forever. 50 years from now, people are going to be talking about this Game 7 performance. So after the the embarrassment of Game 6, where our dubs got blown out at the crib in the largest loss of the Steve Kerr era, Steph Steph was not taking no chances with that whole one-team-one-dream bullshit. No, it it is going to be Steph's show, and that happened from the very tip-off. If they were going to lose, it was not going to be because Jordan Poole was looking at baddies courtside and was turning the ball over 10 times. That's just not what was going to happen. And what we got, I think, was probably better than his teammates could have even anticipated. The best Game 7 performance in NBA history. Let me say that again. That was the best Game 7 performance in the history of the NBA in existence. Steph put up a 50-piece against probably their best foe since the probably 2016 Cavs. LeBron, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, and a bunch of those role players. It was electricity. Kings led by two at half, but you knew what time it was. Steph already had 20 in the first half. Already had 20. Fox was struggling to get going. And you're like, man, it's only a matter of time before they break this thing open. It's just, it's just, we are just waiting for the dam to burst. And you would think maybe Mike Brown would have made some adjustments uh, because he coached against or with Curry for eight years uh, during his time coaching the Golden State Warriors. But no, he did not. 
He had nothing up his sleeve to stop Steph Curry from doing Steph Curry things. And Steph, even though in the second half the Kings knew that they had to put more attention and pressure on Curry, you would think, oh, maybe second half he like just puts up 18 or 16. No, he's actually better in the second half with everyone scheming and game planning to shut him down. He put up 30. It was a better second half than it was in the first half where he just casually put up 20. The most demonic shit that I saw from him, this is when I knew it was over, was at the end of the third quarter. Warriors are starting to pull away, and he had already missed, for the first time ever in my memory, two consecutive free throws. And you're like, oh, God, like what's Steph up to? Is he frustrated? He gets to the line again moments later because that's just the kind of night it was with the Scott Foster game, by the way. That was a factor. Uh, And they pan to his face, and he's grinning from ear to ear. It was the most diabolical, sick, twisted, sadistic smile I have ever seen on anyone's face. It was not a normal I'm happy grin. It's a... Let me make myself happy in the moment, and let me show these kings I'm coming, and this is over for them. That's when I knew it was inevitable. He is inevitable. There was going to be no comeback. They were only down seven, but it could have been 70 at that point. It was over. He shot 38 times in 38 minutes from everywhere, from deep, from the paint, off balance, Runners, floaters, everything but a dunk. One, there was 1.5 seconds left to go in, on the shot clock. Kings had defended this team very mightily. 1.5 seconds left on the shot clock. They inbound the pass. Steph inbounds the pass. Immediately gets it back. Contested corner three. Splash. The only thing that was surprising was when Steph would miss. I was actually shocked when not every single shot that he let fly did not go in. He said this about his sadistic smile after the game. Attitude can manifest a lot of things, and I told Q on the sidelines, I was never, I've missed four or five free throws the last two games. Not like me, but never over, uh, overthink it, just enjoy the, the, the moment. So the smile was intentional on trying to just be in, in the present and, uh, as simple as it is, it's just trying to make a free throw. So uh, I like to have fun with it. Yeah, no, it was more than that. And then Draymond, as he said on the po- podcast today, because, of course, he didn't do one in Game 6, real shocking, that there was no Draymond episode after Game 6, which was the most embarrassing loss. Uh, he probably would have cussed everybody out, so I get it. It all began with a pregame speech from Steph Wardell Curry. I'm not going to lie, man. Game six, that was a gut punch. That night, I sent those two guys a text message. I sent that text at 3 a.m. The first line is, so I can't sleep, period. Just finish the film again. And then I go into some other things. Steph texts back at 6 a.m. like, can't sleep either. But let me deliver the message before film. Say no more. And he delivered such a powerful message. Listen. We just got embarrassed last night. We got embarrassed on our home floor with an opportunity to close out a team. And we never showed up. He said, if if you getting on this bus, 
you making a commitment to this team. I don't care how many minutes you play. I don't care if you don't play a single second. I don't care if it's points, rebounds, whatever it is. But if you're getting on this bus, you are saying, I am going to do whatever it takes as far as my preparation goes to win this game. We're not going out like that. We have an opportunity to play in game seven. They rare. They don't come around. Take advantage of the moment. Embrace the moment. When he delivered that speech, I can't say I knew he was going to come out and get 50, but I knew he was going to come out and do something incredible. And I knew there was no way he was going to allow us to lose that game. Oh, I tell you what. Yeah. I don't really know what more you can say after that. Hey, Jordan Poole, suck it up. Hey, uh, Jonathan Kaminga, you're not playing anymore. You're not effective enough for us. Don't be whining and bitching and moping on the sideline. Do not bring the vibes down. This is a championship-caliber team. We have championship DNA. And you know what? We could have traded your ass for somebody with better attitude, but you know what? We have faith in you. So sit your little ass down there on the bench and play your role. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And that was the moment after that game, after that game seven, which... Let's be honest, I wanted the Kings to win because the dynasty I'm hoping will end at some point. I want to see a new peace, new blood come to, to the forefront. I came to terms with the reality that, that Steph Curry is the best to ever do it at the point guard position. He just is. That was the performance. 50-piece, game seven, when you're only surprised that he missed, that was point god, as John Morant would say. That was point goat performance he puts up 50 after an embarrassing game six the worst defeat that they ever had in the in the Steve Kerr era in game six stays up all night watches film then comes ready to kill he is I always was like oh it's so cute that they call him the baby face assassin you know you're like that's a really cute nickname no he really is he really is Liam Neeson he really is a man with some very specific skills. He really does take pleasure in telling 50 Cent, hey, uh, why don't you, did you see it? He pretended to light the beam on 50 Cent. Light this beam, bitch. That's what that was. It's sick. It's twisted. The look on his face when he's ending you is pure sick delight. It's not just joy for joy's sake because I enjoy playing a child's game and making $60 million a year. No, no, no. I enjoy ending you. I enjoy you thinking you're going to win and me silencing your cute little crowd at goal one. It's disgusting. It's like a boa, boa constrictor around your neck. And there's no, no feeling like it. It's an outer body experience. You're sitting there on your couch or wherever you are, and you're like, the game's not over, but it's over. And you are watching yourself in awe of you dying right there. That's what that was. So now the NBA gets what they want, Steph Curry versus LeBron in the playoffs. 
First time they've ever faced each other in the playoffs, not in the finals, which I think is incredible. Lakers, of course, get the job done by giving Dylan Brooks exactly what he wanted, a 40-piece. A 40-point loss in a closeout game, which gives us a 7-seed playing a 6-seed in the second round of the playoffs. Warriors now get home court advantage. Isn't that a bitch? You sit there and you scrap and claw and they you think that the Warriors are dead and now they have they have home court until they play the Nuggets or the Suns. Isn't that something? The narratives obviously will be out of control uh, because these are two out of the five best players in NBA history going up one against one another, both in the tail end of their careers but not looking a day over 27. And... You'd think maybe this is the first time, oh, maybe the NBA wished it was the Western Conference Finals. But I think they are going to smash the ratings again for the second round, just like they did in the first round. The difference, I don't think this goes seven games. Steph Curry was asked a question, which I've been thinking about all day. The question was, hey, Steph, who can stop Steph Curry? And he said, He said, hopefully we never find out. What? Hopefully we'll never find out. He is deadly. I can... This is like the new show Citadel where he's an assassin. Who's going to beat our dubs? Nobody. That's who. This is a championship team and their toughest test. They just finished in seven.